as we get started this morning, I'd like to thank Pastor Elisha for preaching for me last Sunday. He did a great job, and um, he did a great job of exhorting us to remember the break's over, it's time to get back to it, all right? <laughs> and so, good job. Thank you. Thank you, Elisha, for that. Um, today's sermon, will get back to it, as I preach about a very sensitive, prevalent, and concerning topic. I've bathed it in much prayer and will seek to deliver it with grace and God's truth. I've had plenty of spiritual warfare this week dealing with this topic, even this morning. Satan trying to convince me not to preach it, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway because I don't listen to him. <laughs> I'm not targeting any person or persons. I'm not putting down anyone, but will be holding up God's standard. Everyone deserves respect, compassion, and love because we all are God's creation. Please get this. We all are not God's children. I know that's commonly said, but we're not all God's children because that's only reserved for those who believe in Jesus Christ. In John 1.12, but those that believe in him, that have received him, to those he gave the right to become children of God. But we all are God's creation, of course, to do that. I will be giving an invitation for prayer at the end, so that you're aware of that. I will probably stay close to my notes this morning. And I read a recent survey that said that most believers want longer surveys, or longer sermons, <laughs> not longer surveys, Longer sermons, not shorter, because they want more depth. So if that's your desire, I think you might get a longer sermon today. And I started off with all that so that I could pray now. So if you would join me. Father, we thank you for your care. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you that you guide us and you direct us. And we thank you that you have your word You've given us your word and your spirit to help us do that which is right and holy and pure. Now, as I've sought to be courageous this day, I pray you would help all of us in the same way to uphold your standard and to uphold you because you are holy, you are true, and you are righteous. Spirit guide us, and may we listen well in Jesus' name. Amen. So by now you might be asking, so why this sermon? In light of some of the continuing cultural concerns you see an outline there in your bulletin, which I will deta detail in a moment, it has been suggested, and there's been a call put out to pastors across the nation to preach on the biblical view of God and sexuality. I have your attention now, don't I? <laughs> As you know, all around us, biblical and moral laws regarding sexuality are being attacked and discarded in the name of personal and societal freedom. And on this day and week, promoting the sanctity of life, I think it's most appropriate. More than 60 million precious lives in the womb have, 
been ended since January 22, 1973, when the Supreme Court declared that the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction. Of course, none of those children got to experience what was clearly written and declared in the U.S. Constitution nearly 200 years before that fateful decision. It says this. We might, you might know this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life. Among these are life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. My prayer is that the Supreme Court will someday soon overturn this national sin. As J.D. Greer, Pastor J.D. Greer said, the greatest moral tragedy of our day. A second concern. On June 26, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down all state bans on same-sex marriage, legalized it in all 50 states, and required states to honor out-of-the-state same-sex marriage licenses in the case of Obergefell versus Hodges. My thoughts now. Honorable and gracious Christian Bakers, Jack Phillips up in Lakewood in Denver, Photographers and florists are being sued for standing for God's values regarding biblical sexuality and marriage. Third, transgender issues. Women athletes are being pushed out of the water almost literally by the inclusive transgender directives of the NCAA. Just go and look up Penn University. If you haven't read about that, you haven't heard about that. A girl swimming on that swim team. Literally being pushed out of their sport because of transgenderism. With that, I quote from the one Colorado source. Governor Jared Polis, the country's first openly gay elected governor, signed the Prohibit Conversion Therapy for Minors Bill into law on May 31, 2019. Sponsored by Representatives Daphne mickelson Janay, Democrat, Commerce City, and Danaya Esgar, Democrat, Pueblo. Senator Steve Fenberg, Democrat, Pueblo, or Boulder. HB 19-1129 bans a state-licensed medical or mental health care provider from engaging in the discredited, harmful practice of conversion therapy on a patient under 18 years of age in order to change their sexual orientation or gender identity. A physician or mental health care provider who violates this provision engages in unprofessional conduct under the applicable professional licensing board. Colorado is the 18th state in the country to ban conversion therapy for minors. And I will tell you, probably don't need to tell you this, but all over our country, 
the issue of restroom and bathroom mandates is all over us. It's being debated even in our own district right here, right now. From Tamara Axworthy, we kind of know her pretty well. She's the director of the Pregnancy Center. She wrote this just a while back. The Reproductive Health Equity Act is being presented very soon by our very own Republican Pueblo Representative Danier, Danier Escar. Here's some information. This bill will allow abortion for any reason and at any time during the pregnancy. Two, this bill will support the killing of preborn babies even if the baby has the wrong sex, wrong race, or has disabilities. In this regard, this bill would be even more extreme than the laws of notorious human rights abuser countries such as China and North Korea that don't allow abortions to birth for any reason. Lastly, the Reproductive Health Equity Act discourages regulations to ensure the health and safety of women undergoing Well, I think that's enough concerning issues to be concerned about. <laughs> and I hope you would agree with me that our culture is promoting ungodly values over biblical truth. And it seems to me that the minority now has priority over the majority in our country. I wrote that. <laughs> it seems to me that the minority has priority over the majority in our country. Now we have some issues that have brought us to this point. The first is this. Mankind, or man or woman, wants to do it my way. Just this week I read in the little blog I get two times a week from a pastor up in Vancouver, Vancouver, British Columbia. Very very sharp and smart man. He puts together this blog and it has various humorous things in it and some articles. And one of the articles, he has a friend in Florida who's a pastor, a veteran pastor. His name is James Snyder. And James Snyder is just clever. Clever as can be. And James Snyder writes this. I don't think I've learned very much during my life. I just bounce from day to day and take what comes. The one thing I did learn as I look back is, for the most part, I didn't do it my way. Remember Frank Sinatra and his song? How is it going? I did it my way. I would have liked to ask him, how's that been working for you? <laughs> Whenever we do everything our way, there's a consequence. You know what they say, that for every action, there's a... No, for every action, there's a consequence, <laughs> Mr. Snyder says. By the time the consequence hits you in the face, it's too late to make any changes. Whenever I did something my way, it never really did work out. End of quote. And doing it my way, my words, most often leads us into sin. With the big eye between the S and the N. John put it this way in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 
for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is of the world. Many years prior, Solomon said much the same thing in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, when he said, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The problem with doing it my way, as man wants to do it, is that many have their consciences seared, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. You see, the conscience is given to us, according to God in Romans chapter 2. The conscience is given to us to point out to us wrong, and also, I think, to applaud us for doing right. And the problem is, as has been defined by people smarter than me, is that that conscience, as it goes around, if we would picture it a square within a circle, as that square moves, it pricks us, it kits us, it tells us that's not right. But the problem is, we in our society, even Christians, have un- we've, we've dulled the edges on that square so that it now goes around and it doesn't hurt us anymore. And that conscience is given to prick us, to say, this is wrong. And I think also to say, this is right. And to say, good job, you did the right thing. Check out Romans chapter 2, around verses 14 and 15. It doesn't have that picture, of course, there. (laughs) But that's a picture that somebody has drawn to help us understand what the conscience is to do. God designed that conscience. And 1 Timothy 4, as Paul writes to this young pastor, says, consciences have been seared. They've been dulled. They don't speak as they should. Man wants to do it his way, and Satan wants us to do it his way. Follow with me probably know this story in Genesis chapter 2. God said to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall what? Surely die. Now we started a series called the promises of God. That's a promise of God right there. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. You will die. Satan challenges Eve in chapter 3, verse 1. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Seventeen, two seventeen. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. <laughs> Did God really say that? Eve accurately recounts God's word in three three. But God said, "I heard him. This is what he communicated to me. 
You shall not eat of the fruit that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, touch it, lest you die. He made a promise to us. Chapter 3, verse 6. Doing it Satan's way and my way resulted in Adam and Eve taking the fruit and eating it. In Genesis 3.13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And God returns and he says in chapter 319, Tell you, return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the promise of God, quoting now, For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, would be fulfilled. God made a promise. And he said, if you do this, you will die. And what happened? They died. And guess what? You too. Me too. God made a promise and it got fulfilled. I remind you of this. Satan made a promise and it didn't get fulfilled. He said, you surely will not die. And he was wrong. Amazing. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? God makes a promise and he gets fulfilled. Satan makes a promise and it doesn't get fulfilled. That tells us something about Satan. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. That's his whole business from the beginning. Jesus said to the Pharisees, oh, they love this. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a deceiver. Now Jesus says he's a liar. You say in John 10, 10, Jesus, the thief, the thief, what? Comes to steal and kill and destroy. Sounds like a great guy to hang around with. First Peter 5, 8, but your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And in our culture, in our world, 
Satan wants us to do it his way. Deception, thief, adversary, liar. Why would we follow anybody like that? got good news for you. God wants us to do it His way. God wants us to do it His way. And much of what is related to the cultural concerns I've detailed earlier is because we've forgotten who we are in the sight of God. We are intentional creatures. We are God's intentional creatures creation. You know this verse well, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them the male and female. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. I say to you, God is the author of life. He created it as he wanted it to be. It goes on in Genesis chapter 2, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe, man, (laughs) because she was taken out of man. Therefore, what? A man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, the whole thing comes together in marriage. I've given you to this, and I've said this since I've been here. That verse tells us this. One man, one woman, one life, one lifetime. That's God's best. It gets blown out of the water, I understand that, but that's what he wants for us. One man, one woman, one life, one lifetime. Two married people, a man and a woman, is the formula for three or more in a family. Two married, a man and a woman, is the formula for three or more in a family. Now, the Lord has not forgotten who and how he has made us, male and female, not 58 genders or 72 genders. I checked that out. I looked that up. How many genders are there? Well, you know, in in whatever increasing number there's going to be. And God is not in heaven confused by man doing it my way, as he's clearly defined his way, male and female. Yes, there are aberrations of the chromosomal arrangement, but that's very, very, very The Lord is entirely satisfied with this male and female design. And he wants us to be content with the same. The transgender movement has replaced God's 
I did it my way with its own, I will do it my way thinking. I don't like how God formed me, therefore I'm going to change myself. And God says, I like how I made you. And I want you to honor me just as you are. Statement I gave to you a while back. Contentment. If not here, where? If we're not content here, why do we think making a change is going to bring it there? It won't. You see, God clearly and lovingly states His way, His plan for sexual identity and purity throughout His Word. Why? Because He created us. He knows what's best for us, what will protect us, and what He wants Here's his direction, Luke, or Leviticus 18.22. It's pretty graphic. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And you shall not lie with an animal, and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is a perversion. Oh, we go, oh, that's gross. Well, God says... It's just as gross, the first part. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. Verse 32. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to their dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Could have been written in our day. It's clear there how God wants us to behave and to live. Why? Because He knows what's best for us. He created us. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-8, through 8, I just quote a few of the verses. For this is the will of God. There's no question here. This is what God wants. This is for your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. 2 Timothy 2.22, again, Paul writing to this young pastor, Timothy, So flee youthful passions, if I could add old age passions too, middle age passions. 
whatever they are, we struggle with them still, I'm sure. And pursue. And pursue. Righteousness. And faith. And love. And peace. Get this. Along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Now, let's, let's be honest. Are we bent... Are we born with a bent to sin? Yeah. We all have a bent to sin. We all have things that we struggle with. Are we born with desires that will lead us away from God in His perfect plan if we do it our way? Yes. But get this. Yes, we have a bent to sin, but that doesn't need we need to bend to it. We have bents to sin. Different ways, different levels. I heard a man speak a while back and he said this. I believe he's telling the truth. He says, I don't struggle with lust. I don't struggle with whatever else he said. But he said this, he was honest. He said, I struggle with pride. Now men, typically we know what we struggle with. Anger, materialism, and lust. Different levels. Ladies, I'll take a wild guess here, maybe. Security, gossip. I don't know, I, I'm not a woman, so I'll be careful there. But you know what generally males struggle with and what females struggle with. But there's different levels of those, of course. Some, it's not a big deal. Some, it is a big deal. But we have those bends, but it doesn't mean we have to bend to them. I struggled with it this morning. I wanted to do something, but I know it wasn't the best thing to do. And so, this day I had victory. Other days this week, I didn't have victory. Dave, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> it's called overeating, basically. <laughs> Limiting myself to what's best for me. And guess what? I know it doesn't look like it, but I struggle with it. And you have your saints too. You have these bents. We all have them. But we don't have to bend to them. Romans 12, 2, use this verse probably the last three weeks. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We don't have to be like how the world is because the world is not of the Father. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, maybe you've heard this one too. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. We all have temptation, and they're pretty common. But God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Ephesians 5.11 Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak 
of the things that they do in secret. James describes our struggle quite graphically in 1, 13 through 15. He says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God can't be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, what is fully grown, brings forth what? Death. Just what God said would happen. If you do this, you will surely die. And Satan said, did God really say that? Eve goes, yeah, he really did say that. And did God really do that? Yes, he really did do that. And did Satan get his promise? Right? No, he missed out on that. You see, we each have our particular bents to sin, but that doesn't mean we have to bend to them as is commonly challenged when it comes to changing one's gender or same-sex relationship or for any sin, for that matter. That's just the way I am. We don't applaud the man who participates in domestic violence but says, that's just the way I am. I've had a temper all my life, so accept me for who I am. No. Or the woman who steals from a business but says, that's just the way I am. I can't help it. Even the courts of law will convict, which convict will seek to help an individual change so that they do what's lawful, helpful, and good for all. You see, I heard this in Grief Share three or four weeks ago. Feelings are not dictators. Feelings are not dictators. And we have to be careful about living according to our feelings. Get this. If we live by our feelings, which Satan is more than willing to hijack, then anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere becomes permissible. It just depends on how one is feeling. Think about it. Eight billion people on the earth. And if we all lived by our feelings, that's what's going to happen. Anyone, anywhere, anytime, anything becomes permissible because that's how I feel. I just want to do it. Man, that's chaos. That is chaos. You know, if you don't think it works, uh, try that for 15 days in a row at work. I don't feel like coming in today, boss. Day two, I don't feel like coming in today, boss. Day three, I don't feel like coming in today, boss. By then he's going, yeah, well, don't come in tomorrow because you got to have a job. But that's what I feel. They're not dictators. We can't live by them. They're important. And somebody says, oh, just do what your heart says. Do we not realize what Jeremiah says? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We know our heart. Yeah, does it have good things with it? Of course. But it doesn't always move us toward the right thing. Choosing to disobey God's way has consequences. 
Our culture continues to turn a blind eye to God's perfect plan for life and sexual relationships because it is deceived and it wants to do it my and Satan's way instead of God's way. And the consequences could be the same as mentioned in God's word. Genesis chapter 19, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. In Jude, Jude writes as a commentary on it. He says this, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursue unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. I think it was Ruth, Ruth Bell, Graham Bell, um, Billy Graham's wife, who said, quoted one time in our Sunday school class, if... If God doesn't judge the United States for its sinfulness, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. You know the story in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Once I mention the name David and Bathsheba, you know the story. David wants to do it his way. Lust takes over and he gets Bathsheba. And he has a relationship with her. And then he tries to get his, her husband to come in and make sure that it's all covered up. And then he sends him out to war and puts him in the worst spot. And he dies. And Nathan comes to David and said, You have done wrong. And David rebels against it for just a little bit. And he finally repents, praise God says, I have sinned against the Lord. Psalm 51 is prayer of confession. But this is what God says for David. Because of your sin, the sword will never depart from your house. I will rise up evil against you out of your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. Because by this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born to you shall die. Now listen, I'm not at all saying that any child's death is because of sin. We're not saying that. God's not saying that there. He's saying, for you, David, because this is what you did. These are the consequences. I mean, they're severe. There are consequences to disobedience and to sin. Let me describe some of the blessings, quote, of disobedience and sin. Here's some of the blessings of disobedience and sin. Broken marriages. That's tongue-in-cheek, the blessings of disobedience. I hope you understand that. Broken marriages and relationships. Children who are deeply scarred for life. Disease. Pregnancies. Guilt. Shame. Lifelong memories of sin. Addictions, death, incarceration. We could go on and on and on and on. I can't think of a time when I was happy and joyful after sinning. But I can think of plenty of times when I didn't feel so good. And rightfully so. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25 says of Moses that he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Oh, sin's nice. It feels
feels good. <laughs> yeah, for a while. <laughs> the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses made a choice and said, I'm not going the Egyptian way. He could have. It was good. It looked really good. Big man on campus. <laughs> he could have been. He said, I'm not going to go that way. I will stay with God's way. I will go his way. I choose to go God's way because the fleeting pleasures of sin are not worth it. You see, choosing to obey God's way has blessings. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came a tumbling down and his house stood firm, right? Man, that's the blessing I want. That's the blessing you want. That there's strength. That there's a foundation for our life. And then in that great little parable that Jesus talks about possessions and being good stewards. And as the ones held up and they, they honored God with what he had given to them as the master had given to them. He says to them what? Well done. What? Good and faithful servant. And that's what we want to hear from him. I wish our world would want to hear that from him. Because there's blessing in doing it God's way. Will it be God's way? The life of peace, satisfaction, clear conscience, or my way, which is the fleeting pleasure of sin and the end is the way of death. Okay, we got some young people here today. Please, young people, please listen to me. Okay, all people listen to me. Because <laughs> we all need it. Don't fall for the lies of Satan, the deceiver. He does not have your best interests in mind. He has lived by the model, I'll do it my way. And his way is to steal, kill, and destroy you. I heard someone say recently, when Satan reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. He's got coming what he's earned and deserves. Secondly, don't be deceived by your friends, some of your teachers, or social media influencers. Consider, are they promoting God's way? Or are they promoting their own way because they're being deceived by the devil? I can guarantee you that if you choose God's way, you will be protected and rewarded. I can also guarantee that your friends, some of your teachers and influencers are not smarter than God. Would you put the advice of your peers over the advice of your pastors, your parents, or God? If you do, your peers are following Satan, whatever age you are you'll be in trouble. And third, don't be deceived by those who say I have no choice in how I handle my sexuality. It's who I am. Everyone has a choice. And it may not be easy, but you can say no to Satan's deception and say yes to God's truthful way. Here's what I wrote as my big idea. God's way is best, so don't settle for anything less. 
God's way is best, so don't settle for anything less. God's way is babies in the womb are His creation and are to be protected, not killed. God's way is you have been made in His image as a male or female. God's way is one man, one woman, one life, one lifetime. God's way is a sexual relationship for a man and woman in the bonds of marriage, not before or outside of I do. A promise is given in Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people were called by my name, humble themselves and pray seek my face and turn from their sin then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land man wouldn't it be great if our culture would try that out (laughs) it's an if then statement if you do this then this is what I will do this is my promise Think about how blessed our land could be if we would practice that. If even some churches would practice that. Some churches don't believe what I just gave you from the Word of God. They decided to do I'm going to do it my way. My heart goes out. It hurts. It hurts for our country. So I'm going to give you a chance. Would you come this morning, just for a few moments, and would you come and pray for our country? Right now, I'm asking you to get up and come and pray for our country. That we would do what God's Word said. We would humble ourselves. We would pray seek his face and turn from their wicked ways and this is what God will do I will forgive their sin for any that have been involved in any of these situations we're all sinners, we all need forgiveness we realize that and you'd heal our land so come if you would and just pray for our country pray for us as Christians it's not easy being, being light, we know that God never said it would be but we care We care for our country. We care for our people. We want to have a righteous, a righteous, holy lifestyle modeled to us. So just take a moment. first of all as Christians that we would live out 
some of the blame on ourselves for not standing for that which is right, not living for that which is right. Yeah, there's probably some, some blame there. And I pray for our leaders that they would lead us in your way. They would know what your way is and they would know that it is good and it's right and it would be good for us. country would turn to you and seek you follow you we care father we care for the people that are around us that that have been deceived how do we pray we pray into their lives we care for them we love them help them to do that which you've given us instruction in the word and help us to stand steady to you So many are deconstructing faith now, turning from what they've known to that which they want to go toward. Bring them back, Father. Provide forgiveness where it needs to be given and grace to those who've experienced difficult times in the midst. Thank you that you, you want to use us to shine the light of Jesus. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us kindness and compassion too. Help us to respect those who disagree with us. They deserve that. But help us how to know, help us to know how to help them Follow your good way, your best way. Thank you for your amazing grace. <laughs> we've all been, we've all experienced it, and we need to keep experiencing it. And our country experiences it because they want it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much for allowing me to share the word heart let's live it out well Pastor Simon oh and thank you for letting me go a little bit longer than normal